Welcome to The Good Complex. My name is Jeff Jones, and I have the opportunity of being the host and facilitating some really amazing conversations. If you're wondering what The Good Complex is all about, just think of it this way. Uh, all of us right now, I think, are lamenting a world that is so polarized, that seems to be animated by fear and anger, where we're losing the ability to just hear each other, to listen to each other. Uh, where it's so easy to spotlight bad that's going on, and, and it looks like the world just spiraling down and getting worse. Uh, consider the good complex an alternate reality to all of that, uh, where instead uh, we spotlight on the good that is happening in the world, and actually many things getting way better, uh, where we choose to set aside differences for the sake of the common good and say, let's learn from each other, let's listen to each other, let's respect each other, where the common uh, common good is our new common ground. Uh, some of the con times, some of the conversations that we'll have in the good complex are stories of sacrificial love. Some of them are uh, stories of tragedies turned into triumph. Some of them will be uh, critical conversations around issues where even the participants may disagree at, at some really key points and yet find ways that we can all agree, again, with a common good and even work together. Um, today, uh, we have an incredible opportunity, which is a, a story of costly love as uh, someone coming around a, a big need uh, that was a very neglected one in our culture. And uh, my guest today is Charmaine Solomon, and uh, she very graciously is with us. She has uh, started an incredible organization you'll learn about called My Possibilities that uh, comes around adults with cognitive disabilities to bring about their full potential in life. And we will talk about that and how you got into it because it's a fascinating story and such a, such a big need. Uh, but first, I thought we would, uh, I don't know, just get to know you a little bit, Charmaine. Um, well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. And, uh, and everybody will recognize even from that. I know people comment about your accent. You know, we're here in Texas. Both of us live in Texas. So, um, and where do people guess your accent is from when they guess? Uh, England, Australia, all over the world. Do they ever get it right no. the first time? <laughs> because she is South African and uh, from South Africa and... Uh, and now, now to us, your accent, you know, from a Texas ears feels very sophisticated, very cool. When you hear a Texas accent, does that seem cool? It does, because yeah. I'm not used to it. So <laughs> okay, it sounds really cool. It, in fact, I think mine is boring. So it just <laughs> depends on where you come from. Now, some South Africa facts a little bit, okay. a little bit of food trivia, okay, before All we right. dive into the, you know, important conversation. So here's some of the foods that, that I've learned about from South Africa that are unique. Uh, you can tell me what they are. Okay. And uh, and and then you get to pick your favorite. So walkie-talkie. Okay, so that is all the chicken feet and the chicken heads, <laughs> and it's all cooked up in a, a broth, oh. and you eat that, and you kind of, it's a delicacy, and you, you know how you suck on a chicken bone? It's kind of like you do with the chicken feet. Okay, so you don't eat, you don't just chomp into it. You like pull off That's the right. whatever. That's right. That's right. Is. The juice and the meat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll I'll think about that one. Um, bunny chows. Oh gosh. Okay. So that's uh, I'll use the American words. It's uh, uh, bread hollowed out. Okay. And French fries 
Put in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's. I'm from Alabama. Yeah. I'm surprised nobody's come up with that. Yes, and from Alabama. Yes, and you systematically eat through this half a loaf of bread, and uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, um, Kook Sisters. Okay, so it looks like um, it's a dessert. It's a very yummy dessert. It's made with syrup, and it's it looks like a hair plait. And uh, it's very sweet. And if you bite into it, the syrup runs down your mouth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm surprised Yummy. somebody from Alabama didn't come up with that. And then um, milk tart. Okay. So that is a, it's a dessert and it's a pie, but it's made with creamy butter, milk, and it's very traditional. It's served with cinnamon on the top. Oh, that sounds it's great. It's very traditional. I would take that over the walkie-talkie. Uh, yes. Sure. <laughs> okay, so you get to choose one. Okay. Yeah. I would do uh, the Mozart. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah. All right. So let's get into a need that was uh, became very apparent to you, uh, and you ended up starting an organization to meet that need. And and what I find fascinating about that is um, a lot of people see needs, and a lot of people see issues or problems and have ideas of things that they could do but to actually pull off starting an organization um, not many people do that I mean that you know we all have ideas but to actually get started with one and then see it through uh, to what my possibilities has become Um, in fact let me share a little bit about my possibilities from from my perspective so my possibilities started in 2008 correct after seeing the need in 2006 with your own son, you can share this story later. So I won't, I won't get into it anymore, okay. realizing the, uh, the need that was there. Um, you started this organization that, in my mind, operates a lot like a university uh, exactly. for adults and, and young adults with different cognitive disabilities. It could be Down syndrome, could be different forms of autism or brain injuries or uh, various things. And, um, and you... It just it I, I've been there a few times and had the privilege of being there and it is a an electric place full of potential and hope and joy and love and it's just an amazing place but there was there was nothing like that I know uh, you know when you started it now you serve over six hundred hipsters and a hipster is. A hugely important person. There you and go. so instead of a VIP, we wanted it to be something that was meaningful and something that our people could really aspire to. And so we call them hipsters, hugely important people. And and I can testify, I'm a pastor, so that's a pastor term. I can testify from being there that every every hipster feels like a hugely important person Correct. when they're there. It is it is an amazing place. Okay, so back to starting it. So you, you start this organization that, that eventually, right, is serving over 600 people every week, uh, every, every day, uh, which is pretty amazing to think about. Um, but tell me about the origin story. How did you get from seeing the, the idea to actually pulling it off? What, what is the origin of my possibilities? Well, basically, it started out of a need. My son was graduating from high school, and I did, a, I did some investigation to see what could happen I'm full I was working full-time I'm a therapist by profession and I was like what am I going to do with my son when he's out of school and so that began this journey Um, and to be honest uh, what I saw was just not 
appropriate. It was just a human rights violation. I mean, we basically would put these adults who are at 22 out to retirement in undignified spaces, um, doing nothing meaningful, sitting in front of a TV watching you know, Disney or sleeping. And, you know, it was really just tough. And then for the parents too, you know, what do you do when you have an adult like this? How do you work? How do you support yourself? And so that began the idea of a full day program, something that was not babysitting. And of course, what do mothers do? They call other mothers and say, well, what are you doing? And so that's how um, the uh, we, okay. we called other mothers and said, okay, so what are you doing with your right. son? And they were like, I don't know, what are you doing with yours? And that began this idea of this collaboration uh, collective group of women who would come together and really just be able to do these things and had different skill sets to be able to come together and bring this skill set that was needed. And all of us, all the mothers that were involved had children with special needs. So, you know, Plano, Texas, Mm -hmm. you guys were at. So known to be in North Dallas, a a great school system. So a lot for your kids when they were kids. Yes. And then nothing. And then nothing. And that's it. Yes. And... And and as I've heard you describe it at times, you know, you you use the words like inappropriate and that kind of thing. I've heard you I've heard you use words of um, I don't know, anger is the right word, oh but gosh. sort of outraged, right? Yes. That how could this be? How could uh-huh. this whole group of people be this underserved and just shoved out like they don't matter, like they have no potential? We just need a place to put them in front of a TV. Yeah. Um, and and I think anger is really important. In your story, um, in any story of, of something starting up, you know, in, in something like the good complex, I think it's easy to assume that anger has no place in the good complex. Anger is for the bad complex. <laughs> but, uh, but the truth is, is anger can be a really powerful motivator for good when you see a problem, when you see an, a something, an atrocity, when you see a need. And I know you're, you're a therapist, too. So uh, maybe just talk about that a little bit about productive anger and how that was part of your story and how it could be part of our story too. Exactly. There were multiple layers of anger, actually. I mean, we live in Texas. There are Fortune 500 companies that are just down here. And then you've got this dichotomy between um, a, a real population that's underserved and no one really focused or cared really Mm -hmm. that was my perception so I was pretty mad about that and having come from another culture I was like what is up with that Mm. how can you have fortune 500 companies and then nothing and then personally as a mother um, that idea that my son wouldn't be able to do anything you know as a parent you want the best for your children um, and we wanted something that would continue to grow us we're all lifelong learners and so I was pretty mad that there was no opportunity for my son to continue to be a lifelong learner and all the investment that we put our school system into him now would just be gone and so that that was on that level and then um then believe it or not there was even anger from other people on the outside which were like what are you doing what do you know how are you going to do this what are you going to do and i was like wow that is crazy where does all this anger come from but from my perspective it was really a a thing to say okay so what am i going to do what am how am i going to use my skill sets to make sure that we make a change and then uh, channeling that into into something that says, okay, so what is my first step? What can I do? Given my skill set, what was I? So I said, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. 
I can do the intakes. I can do, based on my experience, I can do all the intakes. I can make sure that we've got all the paperwork ready and we could vet these adults coming in so that we would be able to bravo out the care so that I, I can do that piece. That's my piece. Right. And so let me sign up for that. And yep. so that's kind of how I got started. But clearly that wasn't the plan because <laughs> <laughs> that was just a start. But yeah, that wasn't you signed how, up for a whole lot more than apparently, that. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's an important point that, you know, we – when you're looking for, man, how can I make a difference in the world? I think one question to ask, because you, you need to you need to choose an area where you're passionate. Exactly. And and obviously, uh, you know, you have a personal story um, attached to that with your son who had a brain injury, and uh, you know, when you wanted his potential to be realized, and it wasn't going to happen if you didn't do something, you know, and that was an outrage, and you saw that not just for your son, but for, for yeah hundreds of other people, and and uh, and really. In fact, that when the numbers of my possibility, I think, are a shock to people like me, um, because I know three or four people in that, you know, or ten. I don't know how many, I, you know, but you realize hundreds and hundreds of people just in one location, and you've it's multiplied over the country. Two hundred fifty thousand people in the DFW area with an intellectual disability. Two hundred fifty thousand. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a lot of potential. It's a lot of potential. Unrealized. Yes. And. Um, and so I, you know, back to the passion thing, I, I, I encourage people, one of the questions to ask is, what am I mad about? Uh, it, it's what uh, in, in pastor circles you might call holy discontent, where you just see something, you say, it cannot be that way. It's you wrong. just can't. It's, it's wrong. wrong. And, mm-hmm. and I've got to do something. And, and you did. Well, you ended up starting something I know way bigger than you ever imagined. Dreamed. <laughs> so, so when you started, what did you think success would look like? Like what was in your mind? You know, we, uh, so first of all, we had no money. So the idea of um, starting a business with no money uh, is quite an interesting thought. (laughs) And so we had to fundraise. We had to raise $250,000 so that we could open the doors. And then good would be like, well, we'd have a building. We would have a location. We'd be able to hire professionals to come and provide opportunities for our adults. And so that's, that's what we thought good looked like. And so we're like, okay, well, let's find a building. Um, to do this but the anger came another avenue was uh, when we were looking for a building no one would actually lease us a building Hmm. because of our population somehow Uh, the I don't know reputation of people with special needs obviously people people. scare people and so I'm not sure what they thought about having a building that we would I don't know rip the neighborhood down or something (laughs) but (laughs) it was very difficult to actually even find a landlord that would allow us to rent space Mm. And wow. so eventually we found a landlord, but it was a derelict building. I mean, it was just wires hanging down. There was absolutely nothing. And I remember in the winter, we said, okay, well, you know, optimism, you know, let's drive out there. Let's do a, let's do an open town hall meeting. It's in the middle of winter. It's dark. We're wrapped <laughs> in blankets and we're like, we yeah. think we could make this our home. And you know what? It, it, that's what became our home. And that was our first start. It's our first building to say, let's find a space. Let's show people that we can do this and let's do that. So we started with 10 students. Okay. We opened our doors with 10. My son had the privilege to graduate school on the Tuesday and begin my possibilities on the Wednesday. Wow, perfect. Perfect timing, yeah. which is, of course, an agenda that I had. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm a little motivated. For yes, a little yeah. motivated from a timing perspective yeah. and started with 10 students. Wow. And then just, I mean, we just couldn't, we couldn't. And at the the time it was you and some other moms. Yes, two mothers. We were doing it all. I mean, uh, cleaning the toilets, we were doing it all with volunteer, you know, uh, all of us were labored um, in different ways. I had the skill set to do all the intakes, the behaviors. Uh, Somebody else had the human resources side. Somebody else had the finance side. And that's how we did it. 
and describe the organization now. So it started with 10 kids yes, or adult, young adults and a few moms. And volunteers. And volunteers, yeah. yeah. No, we couldn't afford to pay anybody. And so that was the, the way that it started. Today, we serve over 600 people. We have a 20-acre campus. We hire, before COVID, uh, 100 people. And mm. so just amazing that yeah. we were able to grow this organization um, to that level. Now, you know, people look at, at organization like My Possibilities, and it's so successful, and it's a large organization now and serving so many people. And I think it's easy to think or to see that and think that somehow that was easy or, you know, whatever. I, I don't know, you know, for you. Um, I know it, it wasn't no. easy for you. Um, and I'm sure there were times that uh, it got to be very um, – I'm sure there are multiple times you thought, what am I doing? And exactly. Why are we doing this? And, it, you know, so talk to us a little bit about perseverance. And you know, there were many times, I mean, that we were, we just felt like our backs were against the wall. You know, I remember looking at this building and thinking to myself, how are we going to find the money to be able to, you know, the, the owner would allow us to use the space, but we had to retrofit it ourselves. And I remember looking at this and thinking, gosh, what are we going to do with that? And then, you know, we needed money because the air conditioning went out. And I mean, there were just multiple opportunities for failure. And then even, uh, and then of course there was discourse amongst the founders. And so there were many times that, that two o'clock in the morning was my friend, you know, yeah, and sure, yeah. Sure, and yeah. so you, you up because you're concerned about these things and you talking mm. and you, you know, you, you, strategizing what you're going to be doing and you know i mean 2007 and 2008 was we opened but that doesn't change today it's just a different stress today it's still you know we need money we still need to serve people with special needs we still want to serve more people and so we there were so many journeys along the road that were still stressful and even today is still stressful keeping the doors open in a very difficult um, economy and with the with the uh, COVID has been challenging yeah. So that's some of the difficulties. I know some days are just difficult because I'm a leader too. I get it. And yet we both love what we do. And some days are just so rewarding. And some moments are so rewarding that you think, wow, I get to do this. I, I get to be part of this. Because um, you see the good that's being done. Correct. Um, so I didn't prepare, prepare you for this one. But okay. I'm just going to ask you, just uh, tell me about one of your more rewarding days or one of your more rewarding stories as you as you do what you do the, the the most of course are my hipsters right my hugely important people i mean every day that i just see them doing the most amazing things painting and cooking and working in the community and just so happy that is just i mean there are yeah. no words to describe that that just makes me feel good and then just the hugs and the high fives and the energy in the building you know that all the all the tears and all the hardship just fades away because that's why I do what I do because that's the that's the impact that we have and yeah. just so many now and just um, you know um, I took I spoke to the hipsters just recently and I said what is it that you love most about my possibilities and the two things that they said was obviously their teachers and also that this is their life they mm. they depend on they depend upon us for their future and their lives their lives we can go find other jobs we can find other places but our hipsters depend on us for a life for community for fellowship for work 
everything. And so um, that's that's one of the things that I'm most proud of and the number of people that we've served and how many people are working now. Yeah. And that, you know, people have changed their stereotypes about hiring a person with a disability yeah. because, you know, that was such a, uh, a negative thing in the past right. is that uh, I guess it's a perception, but our guys are very capable and yeah. they're talented. They've got God-given talents and it's so wonderful to see that. And I know when I when I have the privilege of hanging out with some of the hipsters, and we have some in our church. Um, I remember at one time I was um, we were raising a lot of money in the Great Recession, and I had one of these moments of thinking. I mean, I was about to go do this talk right to raise money, and I was that full of self doubt. All of a sudden, thinking, "What are you doing?" You know, I mean, we believed it was the right thing to do. And we believed in what we're doing. It was like, what are we doing? And I remember uh, just before that talk uh, on Friday night, uh, a number of hipsters are in a in a small group together at our church. And I went to talk to them about it before I talked to everybody else. And uh, sorry, getting them. Um, I'll never forget that. Because, uh, one, they, they loved each other so much. They loved me. But their vision and their faith for what we were doing was unbelievable. unbelievable. And, uh, and I shared. And, and for them, it was easy. Why wouldn't this happen? It was so good what we were wanting to do. They're people of faith uh, in this particular setting to say, why wouldn't God enable that? You know, why, why wouldn't God do that? If that's a good thing, then God's going to do that. Exactly. So, and, and that's and exactly right. Exactly right. But right. I make it so complicated. And for them, they're just, their ability to have faith is so much bigger than mine. You, you know? know what I've come to understand about that, Jeff, is that their little bodies don't function. They, there's some things that just don't work as well as they should do. But I want to tell you that the soul is whole. And when you watch them commune, it's just the most beautiful thing it's I, I think it's the expression of childlike faith uh, to see them do it it's amazing there's a young man that attends here he's an amazing amazing person I just saw him do a speech at one of our fundraising events mm. um, and he stood up there I could see he was nervous because I could see him shaking but he stood up there and he delivered this message and he was so proud to say I'm a hipster and and I, I'm a hugely important person and I like being a hipster and I love being mm. a hugely important person. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and just, uh, it was so amazing. Good. It's so amazing. Yeah, so yeah, good. So good. Well, um, I know you've got a big vision for the future. Um, I know some of that, but uh, just talk just a little bit about where you see this going. Well, uh, one of the things that I haven't mentioned is the napkin. Um, you know, we, uh, yeah. are clearly this, coffee that mothers had to determine my possibilities I was so organized for that meeting I had no paper <laughs> and on the back of a Starbucks napkin I put down sort of things that we talked about and if you look at the napkin we we found it eventually there are three areas one was the day programming one was the work and one was residential and there were arrows around it I guess uh, one can say it was a divine inspired vision because it's still our vision and no babysitting no money you know there's a couple of things that were very (laughs) real at the time and that's really what we want to focus on our second building will be to do um, more job training more practical stuff to be able to 
train on that. And then a residential community because um, our adults are still living at home with mom and dad. Mom and dad are aging. There are no appropriate places for people with special needs to be able to live independently. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to build a community where you and I can live there and people with special needs could live there because we want them to live inclusively. And so we are working on that. We own um, a donor bought us a property in Garland and we are working to build a residential and community. And it's multiple. How many acres is that? It's 180 acres. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful former so golf club. Happen. It's going to yeah. happen. Yes, it's going to so happen. It, and, it, and what I understand, it's a combination of people who want to live there in that kind of community who may not who don't have cognitive Correct. disabilities along with people who, who do. do. And, and would love to have a hipster as their neighbor. Yes, yes. That's... Uh, that's going to be great to yeah, see. Yeah, my son will go live in this community. Mom is going to need therapy, but he will go and live in this community. <laughs> That'll be a big shift. <laughs> it will be. Yeah, and you know yeah. what? It's right, though, because yeah. it, at some point we leave our homes from mom and dad. These guys get to stay a lot longer. Our parents get to be parents a lot longer. Not that it's not a gift to be able to do that, but it's just not the right way to be able to do this. Our parents make a lot of sacrifices to yeah. raise these adults. Yeah. So... You know, you started this with a napkin at Starbucks with a couple of other moms. That napkin, by the way, if you go to the My Possibilities building facility, is in a conference room, Correct. if I remember, right? I've seen that napkin. Um, so uh, as we kind of wrap up, I, I want to encourage those who maybe have ideas, um, who see needs. Maybe they have some holy discontent like you did, Um and think, how can it be this way? Something needs to happen. Um, you didn't do it by yourself. No. You had other moms. You, your husband's involved. You had uh, corporate people ended up getting helping out too as well. Um, and uh, But what would you say to people who are right where you were at Star, you know, just before, Star, before the Starbucks meeting who think, man, I don't know if I'm the one or not or I don't know how to do this or – Maybe it's just not for me to do. Maybe I should just let it go. Who am I? You know, am I kidding myself thinking that, you know, I, I'm even the right person? Because you're so capable, it can seem like you just had it all figured out at Starbucks. Gosh, I, maybe I'm faked it, but I, I don't feel that. <laughs> right. So just talk to that. Talk to the the person just like you, you know, right there at Starbucks, and you just go sit at the table with them and and overhear what they're saying, yeah. what, what would you say to them? I would just say, you know, don't be afraid because I, I can assure you that I was afraid. I thought, gosh, this is a huge project. How are we going to raise this money? How are we going to do that? So I would say, don't even, you've got to work through that fear. And then take steps to take action. You know, find people that have the same like-mindedness with yourself that want to help and say, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Let me take responsibility for a certain portion of this. You take responsibility for that, but then really do it. You yeah, know, because that's yeah. the other part is don't say, gosh, I can do this. And then when you, when, when then you're missing in action, do it. Um, you know, we just took small steps, baby steps, and, you know, the runway just opened. And, I mean, if, if someone had told me that we would be in a 20-acre campus and we would serve 600 people when yeah. we first started, I think I would have just <laughs> run a mile, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have. But yeah. it was, you know, do small, bite-sized things that you think that, you, that are well within your wheelhouse to be able to do that. Perfect. So I want the last word to be about the hipsters. <clears throat> so what would you like the us? You, you get to spend time with hipsters most days, every day, um, and you see their potential, you see so many things about them. So what would you hope that the rest of us would know about 
the hipsters that you have the opportunity to interact with all the time that that maybe most people just don't really think about. Yeah, I think don't judge a book by its cover. I think we are all humans being. They are human beings. They want the same things you and I want, jobs, relationships, friends. They want people to be nice to them. You know, they like an invisible society. Mm. Just reach out, speak to someone, connect with an adult. Um, they want that. They desire that very, very much. And so, and to see the humanness in them and not to be able to judge them. They've got the God-given talents that you and I have. It's just hidden. It's masked behind something. Yeah. And if you just took time to get to know them, um, it's a love affair, I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Charmaine, for being here and talking with us. It's a great example in the good complex of at, at great risk and cost. Uh, I know it's a sacrifice that you're more than willing to make, but still a really big sacrifice for a whole other population of people to see them lifted up. Thank you for what you do with my possibilities. Thank you, Jeff. It's really great to be here and to share our story. And, you know, you can you can make a difference in the world. And I, I choose that. And we'll have to go get a walkie-talkie sometime <laughs> after the residential thing is done. And we'll celebrate it. How about that? It's a deal. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah.